listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. The scripture this morning is from Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 20. You shall make for yourselves no idols and erect no carved images or pillars. And you shall not place figured stones in your land to worship at them, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my statutes and keep my commandments and observe them faithfully, I will give you rains in their season, and the land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall overtake the vintage, and the vintage shall overtake the sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and live securely in your land. And I will grant peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and no one shall make you afraid. I will will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword shall go through your land. You shall give chase to your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall give chase to a hundred, and a hundred of you shall give chase to ten thousand. Your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will look with favor upon you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will maintain my covenant with you. You shall eat old grain long stored, and you shall have to clear out the old to make way for the new. I will place my dwelling in your midst, and I shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be their slaves no more. I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But if you will not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and abhor my ordinances so that you will not observe all my commandments and you break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I will bring terror on you consumption and fever that waste the eyes and cause life to pine away. You shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down by your enemies. Your foes shall rule over you, and you shall flee, though no one pursues you. And if in spite of this you will not obey me, I will continue to punish you sevenfold for your sins." I will break your proud glory, and I will make your sky like iron and your earth like copper. Your strength shall be spent to no purpose, and your land shall not yield its produce, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Jim, for that very ominous reading. (sighs) So... This is it, you guys. This is it. Yeah, people are already cheering. After, let's see, uh, I I counted three months, 14 weeks, nearly six and a half hours of me and Pastor Alicia talking up here. Today is our final day in the book of Leviticus. Woo! Yes. um, We've been, it's, I cheer, but like, I pick this stuff, so it's, it's totally my fault. Um, we've been studying this book all summer, right? We've been in this for a while, um, and um, 
got a sense already, but how many of us are ready to move on? You're ready to be done with Leviticus, find something new? That's definitely the majority. Uh, awesome. Um, how many of us, though, you could spend like another three months in this book? Anybody? I'm not the only one. That is fantastic. Good to know. Good to know. I'm not the only sick one. Uh, <clears throat> I am ready, though. I'm ready to wrap this up. I'm ready to put a nice little bow on Leviticus and uh, move on to something new. As a pastor, you kind of live by sermon series. It occupies a lot of headspace, which I know is like not a normal experience for anyone else. Um, but I'm ready for something new. Um, and next week we're starting the Gospel of Mark, which is going to be awesome. So look forward to that. Today, though, we got to talk about blessings and curses, uh, the end of Leviticus. Before we get too deep into that, though, um, I do want to do a quick recap of where we've been just to kind of get a broader view, connect some dots before we uh, wrap up this book. Here's a chart that we have looked at before in this series. Um, it's sort of a, I don't know, a visual outline of the book of Leviticus. Um, Leviticus does this thing. Uh, it's actually really common in the Bible. We see it in a lot of Hebrew poetry where the book is basically a reflection of itself. That's how it's structured. The two halves of this book basically mirror each other. You've got a first part that corresponds to the last part and a second part that corresponds to the second last and on and on through. Um, just to walk through this, um, if we start at the far end, actually, let's start at the right side of the chart, you'll see that right in the middle of the book, sort of the climax, the crux of Leviticus, chapters 16 and 17, is the Day of Atonement, this sacred day once a year where all the sins of the people are washed away. Then right before and right after the Day of Atonement, we get sections on holiness, you get ritual holiness in chapters 11 to 15. That's all the cleanliness laws, the eat this, don't eat that. That's that section. And then you get personal holiness in chapters 18 to 20. That's a lot of the justice stuff that we talked about a few weeks back. Then the next sections, again moving leftward on the chart, are about the priests. That's chapters 8 to 10 and 21 to 22. You don't have to memorize this, by the way. There's not a test or anything. Um, but then finally, the book of Leviticus is uh, book-ended, literally, uh, with two sections about everyday human beings encountering God. We get the opening section, the first part of Leviticus, on sacrifices, these uh, sacred rituals that allow flesh and blood human beings to stand in the presence of the divine. And then that corresponds with this final section uh, about ritual time the sacred feasts, things like Sabbath and Jubilee, these days and seasons of the year where God draws near to us. So there is a very intentional, very deliberate structure to this book. Uh, this ancient worship manual of sorts is really thought out. By contrast, though, uh, the end of the book of Leviticus is kind of a mess. Um, you get this really nice, well-thought-out structure for the first 25 chapters or so, and then it ends with uh, two chapters uh, that don't really seem to fit. Chapter 26 is this list of blessings and curses. Jim just read about the first half of it for us. Uh, it's basically if you do all these things, if you follow the teachings of this book, you will do well, and if you don't, you will be cursed, which we'll get into in a second. But then chapter 27, the last chapter of Leviticus, is just this random collection of stuff. All these laws that don't have any 
thing to do with each other just kind of thrown in there. There's laws about vows, special offerings, redemption of property, how to sanctify a house, really random stuff. I know there's some of us here who have been reading through this book on your own while we work through it here in church. Um, When you get to chapter 27, it's probably going to leave you scratching your head a little bit. It just feels so random. The thing to keep in mind, though, is that while we uh, think of the book of Leviticus and other books of the Bible like this, as like a bound book, this is not how these books were originally written. This technology, the the book, is only like 500 years old. These are thousand-year-old texts. This has only been with us since the printing press. Leviticus, like most other books in our Bibles, started out as a scroll. It was this massive handwritten thing on dried animal skin that you'd have to like take out and unroll in order to read it. Very different from how we think of it today. Imagine if you had like 40 some odd scrolls instead of this one little book for the Bible. And um, the nice thing about a scroll though is that when you get to the end, there's almost always more room. There's almost always blank space at the end of the scroll. And so the theory, what a lot of scholars think might have happened, is that Leviticus 27 just became sort of the dumping ground for like everything that didn't fit anywhere else in the book. Um, You know, something new would come up, something that the authors of Leviticus hadn't touched on, and it would be like, ah, we forgot how to sanctify a house. Remember that time that God was talking to Moses about that? What What did God say? Let's just put it at the end. That is how a lot of people think we got Leviticus 27, which means that at some point, Leviticus 26 These blessings and curses were most likely the original end of this book. Leviticus probably ended by saying, here's all the good stuff that will happen to you if you follow this book, and here's all the bad stuff that will happen if you don't. So let's talk about that a little. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to reread some of this. Leviticus 26. We're going to start with the good stuff. Uh, We're going to start with the the blessings. Verse 3 Um, This is God speaking to Israel. If you follow my statutes and keep my commandments and observe them faithfully, I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. You shall eat your bread to the full and live securely in your land. I will grant peace in the land. You shall lie down, and no one shall make you afraid. I will remove dangerous animals from the land and no sword shall go through your land. You shall give chase to your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. There's that bloody stuff that we just love in the Old Testament, right? This is all really standard blessing stuff. Your crops are going to yield their harvest. You'll have plenty of resources, plenty of food. There'll be peace in your land. You'll crush all your enemies. Very standard Old Testament blessing. But then we get the curses. Verse 14. But if you will not obey me, uh uh-oh, and if you do not observe all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and abhor my ordinances, I will bring terror on you. Consumption and fever that wastes the eyes and causes life to pine away. 
You shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you will be struck down by your enemies. Your foes shall rule over you, and you shall flee, though no one pursues you. And if in spite of this you will not obey me, I will continue to punish you sevenfold for your sins. The word of God for the people of God, right? <laughs> oh, it's intense. <clears throat> uh, and it goes on from there uh, for like 30 verses. We get 10 verses of blessings and then 30 verses of curses, and it gets so much worse. Like you can read this on your own when you get home if you want to. We are not going to read all of this here because there are children in the room. Um, but there is some really bad stuff here. Stuff about what will happen to kids. Stuff about families turning to cannibalism and like awful, awful things. Isn't just, this just like the worst of the Bible? Isn't this what we kind of expect when we open the Old Testament? Like I can, I can hear some of you right now being like, Pastor, I know you try to spin it. I know you try to make it about grace, but there's no grace here. I knew I didn't like Leviticus, right? How many of us are kind of in that zone right now? Got some up in the balcony, absolutely. There is a choice, that's right, that's right. Um, a few things to be aware of, though, uh, with these blessings and curses. A few things to keep in mind to help bring some perspective on this stuff. Uh, first thing to know, this is pretty standard for what we find in ancient legal codes. We've discovered a lot of other books like Leviticus from other cultures at this time period, and they all end like this. Uh, who here has ever heard of Hammurabi's Code? Is there anyone familiar with Hammurabi's Code? Um, Hammurabi was an ancient Babylonian king. I think we have a picture. Yeah, that's him. Um, he's holding a little tablet with his code. He's also holding a lion for some reason. I don't, I don't know why you would do that. Um, but he... He ruled in the 1750s B.C., so we're talking like centuries before Leviticus. And Hammurabi's Code is one of the oldest written legal codes we know of. It's one of the oldest we've found. Hammurabi's Code covers all sorts of things. There's laws about commerce and property, marriage, how to administer justice and run a household. But guess how it ends? Let's read it. There's some of it up there already. Uh, this is from Hammurabi's Code. Not the Bible, to be clear. This is Hammurabi's Code we're reading from now, uh, from the epilogue. <clears throat> I am Hammurabi, the king of righteousness. My words are well considered, and my deeds are not equaled. Hammurabi was a humble guy. <laughs> um, if a succeeding ruler considers my words, which I have written in my inscription, if he does not annul my law, nor corrupt my words, nor, cha nor change my monument, then may Shamash, that's a Babylonian god, may Shamash lengthen that king's reign, that he may reign in righteousness over his subjects. That's it for the blessing. But if this ruler does not esteem my words, which I have written in my inscription, if he despises my curses and fears not the curse of God, if he destroys the law which I have given, corrupts my words, changes my monument, effaces my name, writes his name there, or on account of the curses commissions another to do so, that man, whether king or ruler, chieftain or commoner, no matter what he be, may the great God Anu, the father of gods, who has ordered my rule, withdraw from him the glory of royalty. 
break his scepter, curse his destiny. May Bel, that's another one of their gods, uh, may Bel, the Lord who fixeth destiny, whose command cannot be altered, who has made my kingdom great, order a rebellion which his hand cannot control. May he let the wind of the overthrow of his habitation blow. May he ordain the years of his rule in groaning, years of scarcity, famine, darkness without light, death with seeing eyes be fated to him. May Bel order with his potent mouth the destruction of his city. How are we doing? (laughs) Fun stuff, right? Like, this is what you come to church for, right? To be uplifted. Um, Man, these curses go on for some time. Like, I haven't even read an eighth of them. It's really long. But you get the idea, right? Like, this is what you did. This is how it worked. You ended your legal codes with blessings and curses. It would be strange if Leviticus didn't do this, okay? Even Jesus does this, believe it or not. Um, These are Jesus' words from Luke chapter 6. See if you recognize any of this. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and reap. Or sorry, weep. How many of us, you've heard the blessings part, but not the cursings part in this part of Jesus' teaching? Yeah, yeah, we don't like this stuff very much. But like literally everyone did this. Hammurabi did it, Jesus did it, Leviticus did it. You would give some sort of teaching or instruction and then you end it with a list of blessings and curses. This is how it worked. The ancient world was harsh. Leviticus is harsh. This stuff wasn't written by a bunch of woke Americans, right? But I need to point out something else that's really important to keep in mind as we're reading these curses at the end of Leviticus. All this stuff, this terrible stuff we're reading, actually happened to the Israelites. All of it. The Israelites in their history, if you read through the Old Testament, experienced every single thing that's listed in Leviticus 26. It came true. Their enemies defeated them. They had to flee the land. Their homes were destroyed. The crops they planted and worked for generations became the property of the Babylonians. The Israelites were conquered, and the survivors were carried off into exile. They became refugees, forcibly removed from their homeland for 70 years. In fact, Leviticus 26 spells out so accurately what happened to the Israelites that some scholars have gotten a bit suspicious. It's like, hmm, this is kind of a play-by-play of like everything that happened to these people centuries later. This text is either alarmingly prophetic, which is certainly possible, or it could have been written after the Israelites went through all that as a way of explaining what happened. This is another chart we look at from time to time uh, whenever we talk about Old Testament history. It's sort of a visual representation of the history of Israel, the history of God's people in the Old Testament. 
The story is bookended by these two incredibly traumatic events. You've got the Exodus, uh, when the people of Israel, or when the Israelites, escaped from Egypt only to wander through the desert for 40 years. That's how the story starts. Um, This is also where the book of Leviticus is situated, by the way. This is the setting for Leviticus. Then the Israelites are in the Promised Land for about 500 years, and then they're refugees in exile for 70 years. So Leviticus takes place here, but the curses speak to realities that actually came true there at the other end. And that's why the final lines of this book are so important, so vitally crucial to understanding this. The curses, believe it or not, do not have the final word. After all these predictions about how the Israelites are going to be conquered and crushed and their land will lie desolate, after all of that, we get this, verse 44. Yet for all that, when my people are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them or abhor them so as to destroy them utterly or break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. I will remember in their favor the covenant with their ancestors whom I brought out of Egypt. Did you catch that there at the end? The book of Leviticus ends with hope. Hope for refugees in Babylon. Even when all is lost and God's people are carried off to a foreign land, God will not forget them because God is still their God. They are God's people, and God is still in the rescue business. Amen. Thank you for that. No matter how bad things get, no matter how badly we screw it up, there is always hope. Have you ever blown it? made a mess of things, maybe recently. Um, Have you ever hurt someone? Maybe even hurt yourself or felt like you offended God? Have you ever done that one thing that you swore you were not going to do? Maybe it looked like falling off the wagon um, and struggling to get back on. Maybe you spoke out of turn and you said something that you instantly regretted. Maybe there was no saving the marriage or some other relationship fell apart. Maybe you were out for revenge and you did something terrible. Is there some secret sin, some flaw, some baggage you're carrying around that it's like, hmm, if anybody knew this about me, they would want nothing to do with me. We're all carrying something. You are not alone in that. And the gospel according to Leviticus, the final word of this book, is a word of hope and grace. You don't have to carry that stuff anymore. No matter how far gone you think you are, no matter how much you've blown it, even when all is lost, there's still hope. God leaves the door open. God remembers you, God loves you, 
God is still your God, and you are still a child of God. We can always go back home. Let's pray. God, we confess. We confess all the ways we've fallen short, the ways we've blown it. We confess the people we've hurt, the shame we carry, the ways we've hurt you, the ways we've hurt ourselves. God, we take all of that and we lay it down at this table. We come to the table of communion every month to lean on your grace, Lord. We come to remember the cross and your son's sacrifice for us. We come to remember the good news that even when everything is lost, there is still hope because you are our God and you are in the business of bringing dead things to life. Thank you for remembering us, God, and for coming to our rescue. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website brockportfirstbaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.